Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Do you remember? In September, that's when Amateur Hour first began. Just two friends talking about the Chiefs. The team was awful, a lot's changed since 11 years ago. Now we have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, and oh yeah, we want a Super Bowl. You're welcome. It's almost time! Right, folks, the show's called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today is a man with a really teeny tiny ponytail. His name is His Darkness. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, playoffs up, playoffs up. Put, put, yeah. Uh, the playoffs they are here. The regular season is uh officially complete. And guess what, guys? The Chiefs won the West again. Hey. That, that's six in a row now? That's six? Well, supposed to keep going. The Chiefs beat the Broncos again last week. We didn't we didn't do a show. Yeah. Chiefs won on the road in the AFC West again. Yeah. Twice. Again. Um, again. Again. So again. Patrick Mahomes remains undefeated on the road uh against AFC West opponents. Uh the Chiefs sweep the AFC West in a year where the AFC West didn't I heard they spent a billion dollars. Seems fabricated. A billion dollars. Seems like some some Kent Swanson math to me, but uh, I guess we'll let it slide. We'll round up to the nearest billion. Yeah, I mean, look, th- those guys are really, they're supposed to be the, the real nerds, right? And nerds are good at math. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll take them on a math contest any day. Any <laughs> day, any location. We'll do a neutral site. We can flip a coin for whose house we go to for the test, but I will take them on in a math test. Okay, so obviously, <laughs> just relax, just relax over there, Turbo. <laughs> obviously, uh, my friend Dirk is making reference to some of these uh, playoff scenarios. Where did they do the coin flip? Do they still have to? They can't coin no, flip. No, no, no. The coin flip. No, they don't have to. Okay. They so... needed. They needed Anthony Brown to win a game. Okay. He was. Uh, he was a bit erratic as a quarterback. Okay, so uh, no coin flip. Okay. However, there still could be a neutral site if the Chiefs and Bills both advance to the AFC Championship. Which they still haven't announced. There was some smoke coming tonight. I saw PFT stir up some, some conversation, but they still haven't announced it. 
do you, do you have a preferred location? Yeah, do you have a preferred location? Well, so initially, um, and what I what I put out into the world was I would really like Soldier Field. Um, you know, it, it looked like both flight and driving was almost identical for Kansas City and Buffalo fans to get there. Um, it's a major metropolitan area, and Chicago is probably cold as crap, but um, you know, it's, it's outdoors and it would be outdoors in either city. And so I'm like, let's just stick with that idea. It would um, be weird to go from one of those two stadiums where it's going to be cold as shit to playing indoors somewhere. Like it's, it would just be, and I think that would be a huge advantage for the bills actually. Cause I think, I, I don't know. I feel like the chiefs are better in cold weather. Like maybe, maybe I, not. I, don't, I, I just think the bills not as equipped to run the ball, but I guess the chiefs aren't really road graders either so maybe that's a push there but I, I just feel some pushback from the bills built like this track team to play in mm. you know orchard park for for the next decade kind of thing yeah but i mean I, in the same category i guess I, the pushback that i kept getting uh, i saw from a number of people um apparently the field in yeah. chicago is is notoriously bad um, i mean just most outdoor fields i think by this time are basically shit so i heard um that tennessee was also pretty equidistant for both teams it's another outdoor stadium the field conditions are better uh people like to party in nashville uh you know close enough for either team i know that apparently they have been considering pittsburgh um i mean pittsburgh is like the closest big city to Buffalo. Um, it would be much closer to Buffalo than to Kansas City. I don't know if that necessarily gives Bills fans an advantage. We don't have to put it that way. But let me ask you this. I mean, were you were you like, did it do anything? Did you did you like freak out? Oh my God, we might have a neutral site AFC championship. This is outrageous. Like what? I mean, what what did you? How did you how did you feel about it? No, not at all. Uh, but I do appreciate the streak of hosting four straight AFC championship games. Um, and if the Bills would have lost that game, uh, which I really, I think they would have, but I mean, it's obviously it was just the first quarter, so that's very hard to project. But Cincinnati just looked like they were a team oh. possessed early on in that game. Yeah, the vibe um, out of the gate, Cincinnati looked locked in. Locked, locked. Locked in. Locked. Uh, but so, I mean, hosting a fifth straight, Nobody's ever hosted four straight, so we'd just be extending on a record that has never been done before. Um, so I would still like that, and that's still very attainable. I mean, if the Bengals beat the Bills, uh, then we'll get that again. I kind of expect uh, them to, personally. I mean, we don't have to get too deep into that, but I I think the Bengals are maybe playing better football than anybody right now. They're, and, and yeah, and they're, just the ramifications from everything from that, um, do the Bengals inside their locker room, do they feel like the Bills – kind of dodged them because there was some you know hey let's just pick this game up the next day kind of thing and then the bills took off and went back to buffalo and then that the Bengals players were surprised was the report so i mean oh i didn't see that. a lot going into that just and they are the ones that are kind of feeling slighted from all this um mostly because they thought they'd have a shot at the one seed the chiefs put that to bed quickly is that uh, a they or is that just joe mixon who is the only person i've heard no, no zach taylor zach oh. taylor was was saying things like they should have oh. 
Well, okay. first off, they voted no against that idea because they had the owner's votes. Um, and then Zach Taylor was like, I, we have rules in place. We just use win percentage, um, which uh, what that would have affected would have been the idea of a coin toss or the the long shot at the number one seed, neither of which happened. So it all kind of played out how it would have using win percentage anyways, uh, other than the Chiefs hosting the Ace of Championship game, I guess. Uh, but but they are the ones that have been only been outspoken about that. Uh, now, how that reflects towards Buffalo. I I just think inside that locker room, they felt like they were about to beat them. And they were jacked for that game. This is our chance to prove it kind of thing again uh, against the other powerhouse in the AFC. Like if they beat the Chiefs and then beat the Bills, I mean, they should be feeling confident going to the AFC playoffs, as, which they already which they do now. So, I mean, uh, Bengals, Bills, like if that game happens which i fully expect it to yeah next week um man it's gonna be good yeah i mean that's the beautiful we get this it's gonna be a weird game because they are matching up and like you would think at that point potentially i mean there's obviously been some surprising updates here and there it's almost as if like demar hamlin will just be at that game if it if it's played he may not be able to be on the field like at, in pads going and playing football he he'll be there he would attend the game yeah i can see that and and like that. it'll be cool for everybody and it'll be a cool tv moment and it'll do a huge number and the ratings and whatever um i i want to see those two teams play yeah that's the thing it's we had this crazy event and it happened it didn't just happen from like a dolphins jets game at at noon and week nine or something it was the biggest game of the season like we're all i mean i was talking about this game three weeks ahead of time like man the stakes for this game the two teams involved like to just sit back and watch this game have it on a monday night isolated like that like this is the game of the year and then for that to happen in that game was just like man i was just like I just I was so pumped for the game like I just wanted I wanted the rush like oh man the, but the game the game I want to see the game play out but uh I guess just sit patiently on that and wait for it until next week and it you know it'll continually to build on that I mean that that will be a gigantic game very excited for that um other other fun places to play the game I think so if you want to go equidistant you're looking at uh Nashville Chicago or even Atlanta uh as equidistant between the two uh cities um i heard people were saying detroit too detroit has been ruled out i think detroit and indianapolis are both uh out of oh Oh, detroit's booked too they're already booked uh i thought some fun ones lambo would be fun um the big house up in michigan i think would be a lot of fun i think it'd be cool to play it like at a weird stadium like a college stadium i think that'd be a lot of fun uh big house is probably closer a lot closer to buffalo but uh, I'd be fine with that. The Rose Bowl, I think, would be like a ton of fun. Just somewhere weird like that. Uh, Germany, I think, would be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of Chiefs support over there. I'm not sure if that would be a, ho- a home game for us. How about how about Cincinnati? Because it would take place after Cincinnati loses the week before, and then the two teams just play in their stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's quality content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or then if you want to if you want to make it a big event uh and people are afraid of making championship games like a neutral site thing in the future and this would be kind of a precursor for that i think you'd look at like dallas or vegas uh or even sofi out here yeah uh, so i think those are all the possibilities i think they'll end up probably going 
Chicago or eh, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick Atlanta as the final choice. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up indoors. I don't think I care either way. I like the idea of it being outside um, because I not to not to get too heavy into Chiefs Bills, but I do think that the weakness that the Bills have right now is their run defense, and I think that the Chiefs would line up in the cold against the Bills and do what they've done in the cold against the Bills before. And I know that that's not necessarily the flashiest thing in the world, but can you imagine the circle jerk on Twitter if the Chiefs went out and ran the ball 40 times against Buffalo en route to going to the Super Bowl? I mean, it would be wild. <laughs> so, we, would, we would fire Andy Reid before that is, is, your, is what you were assuming? <laughs> ain't no way Andy's going down in a playoff game running it 40 times ain't no way yeah 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 I know How um, about the, I posed an interesting question yesterday while we're on the topic here okay. would you rather because I think most Chiefs fans at this point view the Bengals as superior to the Bills Dude, okay um, interesting I think that they are but I have also been saying that for like eight weeks and, and yeah and you were on it before me and I just kind of kept giving the Bills you know the benefit of the doubt I guess I would say but really, look, watching Bills games, they have not looked good since beating us. I would say, like, like, holy shit, like that's a, that's a good looking team. Um, what go? Ha, ha, have the Chiefs looked good since beating San Francisco? I mean, like, there's a certain factor to just win the game. And, and I, as a Chiefs fan, I'm going to argue that like, hey, you know what, when you play divisional games, it's always going to be tough and, you know, things happen and they don't want to put everything out there. And yeah, it's the weaker part of the schedule and blah, blah, blah. I can make all the excuses in the world, but the Chiefs haven't been, we've been, people talking about it for weeks. They're not blowing anybody out and whatever. And so like, I don't know what bad Chiefs football versus bad Bills football looks like. But I don't think <laughs> a couple of bad them. 14 and 15 win teams. <laughs> right. You know. uh, well, since then, uh, so we blew out San Francisco. That was the very next week. Um, most impressive game. So we know we beat Jacksonville up at home uh, despite losing the turnover battle 3 uh, 0. One at the Chargers. Um, they're a little beaten down. Beat up on the Seahawks, who ended up in the playoffs, I guess, and then destroyed the Raiders. Yeah. Um, so that's that I mean, yes, that's that's that is fair because maybe the Chiefs haven't looked the best since then. Um quick scan of the Bills. You know, they won in Detroit. That's not bad. They won in New England 24-10. They beat Miami. Um we beat New England again. But the question would you rather in the AFC championship play the Bills at a neutral site or play the Bengals at Arrowhead? Mm. Which which um, you know, how'd you look at strictly you do a poll? football? What's up? Did you do a poll? You're like um, the master of the 50 50. You want to have your polls get as close as possible, not just see what people think about something. I uh, did. It was how close 50, it was 55%. They'd rather play uh, the Bengals at home. Interesting. Uh, it's you know, I, this is like one of those complex things that it depends 57, on 57%. 57. Uh, it's really complex because it kind of depends on what your motivation is, Mr. Motivation. Um, cause like I want to play the Bengals. I would rather play the Bengals at a neutral site than the bills at home. This is a ah. specific for me. See, that's I what I was going to say. 
that's what I was gonna say. There's there's different things that go on. Are we just talking the football game, or like part of my thing would be like I wanna I wanna host the fifth straight AFC championship at home. Right. Like I want that. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, a couple different ways to look at it from football, purely football, or like from everything. Yeah, because I I mean that's I want to play the Bengals. We've played the Bills. We've beaten the Bills. We beat the Bills on the way to both Super Bowls. All right, like been there, I, done that. Yeah. And, and I mean, we we beat the Bills last year. Like I I'm the Bills are good, and I'm I but I'm also not afraid of them. And we've been there, and I want these Bengals. I want, Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. want, I want the Bengals. So, um, I I expect the Bengals to beat the Bills because I think they're playing better football, and I think that they are charging hard right now. Um, and and I want that team. That is what I'm hoping for. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Um, so let's, I mean, the, the, the season's cleared. That's kind of what we've been discussing a little bit. We've been getting into some playoff stuff. Is there any, is there any unresolved playoff things, um, that you want to talk about before I maybe move into like some, some season chiefs stuff? Uh, well, we can I always mean, fluctuate back into the playoffs. But. Well, I mean, just a quick thing, quick notes on the chiefs and Raiders game. Um, I think you got a good example of what it looks like when the Chiefs are giving playoff preparation, playing against a bad opponent. Mm. Like, there's a lot of complaints that, you know, never easy. Omar, never easy out there. Um, and, you know, they kind of played down to their opponent lots of times, and it's true. Um, you know, the back half of the season is a great example. Um, but I think it's just set in stone that the Chiefs do not – like to show things against bad opponents. They they they're not going to show things. They're going to save that for when it matters. And the Chiefs basically treated this game like a playoff game because if they won, they got a bye week and that's advancing in the playoffs with a win. They basically looked at this as a playoff game against and you saw what happened against a bad opponent and you know, we just mopped the floor with them. Um and so I think it was a good example of, you know, if they took the Broncos serious in either game, if they took the Texans serious, this is what it would look like. They took um, the Colts serious. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> People keep pointing to that game, and I get it. I mean, but it was so long ago. God, the fucking Colts. <laughs> you know what? So the Chiefs are, I think I saw the stat, they're 25-5 and five in their last 30 games and 1-4 and four against the Bengals and Bills, mm-hmm. which would make the only other loss in that streak to the Colts, that weird Colts game. And just... I mean, just the Chiefs over under this year was like 10 and a half, maybe even 10. And it's just like they they have that disappointing loss and they still go 14 and three. They still win 14 games in the in this what should be a reloading year. And now today, I'm not sure how much you've been on the Internet today, but it was a big day of, None. you know, here's assessing teams draft capital, assessing teams uh, cap space moving forward. And the Chiefs are in the top 10 uh, as as for like assets going forward so i mean this is something that we kind of dug into especially after that bill's loss the bills were i think were 30th in the nfl but someone made a chart and it was basically their draft capital and their cap space going in next season uh and the bills were 30th in terms of future assets and the chiefs were 10th um mm-hmm. so just you know different ways of looking at this chiefs are now in a re we're not using rebuild reloading year um, and the Bills, this is their year. Like, this is their year to capitalize. So just interesting to see where the teams are like that. Yeah. 
but not, nothing else on the Chiefs and Raiders game, uh, really. Um, did, did you have anything? I thought Stidham looked surprisingly competent uh, after shredding the 49ers really well. last week. He he, yeah. he extends the play. He was picking up first downs with his legs and stuff, and like he's he's definitely not a like really move around guy. He's I'm gonna stay in the pocket, but he can bail. And I just I mean he was effective. He threw a couple up for grabs, and Mike Dana had a couple strip sacks. And honestly, I thought he was under pressure pretty much all day long. Um. And, and one of my favorite plays of that game is um, watching, I believe it's Carl Loftus, just like destroy Colton Miller. Um, Colton Miller, very highly thought of. Like pro football focus, he's way up there. Um, he was brought in as kind of a project, but I think still a first-round pick. And uh, But I, I think that he is a very good left tackle um and seeing george man the winner of george continues it's just phenomenal uh six sacks in seven games and ended up with six and a half on the year uh in the regular season at least but playing his best football as the year has gone on um and the defense playing their best football too yeah so uh with the pass rush uh i mean i thought it looked as good as it has all season um george in specific i mean we talked about him God, it would have been right when he turned things around. And it was just like, I think it was the, the beginning of that sack streak because he was got he got a couple sacks, but it was like they weren't quick sacks. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, I mean, these count, but it's just like you're wanting to see quick wins. And now in the last four weeks, man, we have seen the quick wins. Like yeah. George's stock has just been skyrocketing, in my opinion, in the last four weeks. Like it's I I I didn't like hate the pick, but I'm just like, okay, this guy is never gonna be a star. He's just gonna be, you know, a guy, a solid rotation guy. And, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of his career. But hopefully he just becomes solid. Now, I mean, who knows? I mean, with, with what he's showing and with the facts that that come out about rookie defensive ends just not really producing in a big way, I, I, the, the future's got to be bright for him. Like, it's, it's he's shown a lot these last four weeks. And it's now he, I think we're, there's some hope that he becomes actually like a Pro Bowl type player down the road. So <laughs> a couple things on what you said there number one solid is is such an interesting term because like i think a lot of people would describe uh carlos dunlap solid or ryan kerrigan solid like i don't know if they look at players like that and say that these guys are like upper echelon oh yeah we're rushers, talking i'm talking but, prime carlos dunlap or, or carlos dunlap now I'm just talking about if you look at the course of their career, because here's the thing. I mean, a guy See, like put both those guys, has a hundred sacks. Like, yeah, I'd put both those guys clearly above solid. Both I, don't, I don't know if Dunlap ever had double digits. Like he, he might, but it's just like the guys just averaged like eight sacks every year or something. And, you know, so those guys, that's what they talked about with Karloftis was like, he may never give you double digits, but he's probably good for like eight a year. It's like, okay, well, Going from eight a year for a few years to eight a year for a full career is kind of what you're looking for. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what you're going to get from George. The exciting thing is that you're starting to see stuff that you didn't really expect, that we didn't think was going to be part of the equation in the George is maybe just going to be a solid player. Uh, so there's some some pop and some some flash and some pow and some other onomatopoeias going on. Uh, but I I just... 
I'm really excited about him and then and being able to kind of look at go ahead. I see that finger. Well, I think you you're skipping an onomatopoeia, which is BAP. And with BAP, we got pass deflections mm-hmm. because we got the number one and number two defensive linemen in terms of batted balls, with Carlos Dunlap actually passing George this week. I didn't know Carlos Dunlap was even near the oh, leaderboard. Yeah. And yeah. now Dunlap's either leads the NFL or tied for the NFL lead, or was on Saturday at least. Um so now, now we got two guys up there. Who... I think Chris Jones is up there too. And if he's not, he's still like notorious for it. We watched him do it in the playoffs. Like, and these and these guys aren't even playing full. Like they're playing fifty percent of the snaps in most games. So it's uh, not a full line share of the snaps and still up there in batted balls. But I wanted to, I want to make sure we got that bap in there as they're batting mm. balls down. Uh, you know, I I it just stumbled out of my mouth uh, on Saturday. Uh, but I started thinking about the defense, and I called them the youth group. And uh, I I just look at this team, man. And, and I I told you kind of going into the season, and that some different parts. Like I've just been I've been really really liking the defense, and they've had some tough moments. I mean, look, I saw somebody put the stats out today. Uh, thank you for doing the research, whoever you were. Um, big, big shout out to uh, whoever that was. Yes. <laughs> 26th in DVOA when the Chiefs went on the bye. They finished the season 17th overall, pretty much what you want. Um, and they so they started at 26th. Since the bye week, the Chiefs defense has been 13th in DVOA. And now you can point to, well, look at the quality of opponents after the bye week and whatever. Look, guys, that means that when you play good teams, your DVOA is going to be lower. And when you play bad teams, it's going to be higher. And it all evens out in the end. You know, and so like, look, we, we really have to do this with every defensive stat from now on. There's always there's a defensive stat and then there's a comeback. Look at these quarterbacks they played and then there's a comeback. <laughs> well, look at the quarterbacks they played when they were doing bad. They were there. These great quarterbacks like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. We get it. It goes on and on and on uh, leading a, a stat along those same exact lines. I almost thought you were going to use the same stat incorrectly, uh, but QB pressure rate. Uh, weeks one through 13. This is from Next Gen Stats. Um, and this is one of those, you know, the Chiefs pass rush had great stats, but we were all kind of trying to figure out if they were actually good or not. Like a lot of stats pointing towards good. Some of them didn't. And we're just kind of, the eye test was kind of, eh. But weeks one through one through 13, they were 26th in terms of QB pressure rate. Weeks 14 through 18, they were fifth. Um, so whatever you want to say about the Chiefs pass rush, they are turning it on late, which is exactly what you want to see because I think that's the biggest question coming into the season, biggest question going into the playoffs. Like, pass rush is just, we'll always sit right there as long as we are on this cusp. And, you know, we actually ended up, where's the stat here? It was the second most sacks in team history, uh, which is shocking. And, you know, yada, 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 one more game, yada, yada. Um, damn, I can't find out my notes right now. Uh, but second most sacks in team history behind 1990. Uh, so think of all those other 1990 Chiefs teams uh, with Derek Thomas, with Neil Smith, all those years that they spent together. And yet, what about the Justin Houston 22 sack season with Tom Bahali on the other side? All those seasons did not accumulate the number of sacks that they did in 2022. Yeah. And I mean, shout out to Joe Cullen. Hard to to. He's, he's been getting a lot of love. He's been getting a lot of love lately. I've seen it. 
deservedly, and I hope that that doesn't translate into him going somewhere else, like somebody, I, I don't know, getting interviewed for a defensive coordinator job or something. He just seems like a vet that knows what to do. I mean, he spent time in Baltimore. Like, this is this is a, a guy, right? And, I mean, I we talked a little bit about him uh, the last time that we recorded, and I said it almost made me want to fire Brendan Daly because the linebackers haven't played particularly well. This position group he's coaching now, but – I mean, if you can get an improvement like this out of getting the right guy on the coaching staff, um, it it makes you think because he's clearly clicked with Chris Jones. Uh, Spag said as much. He's like, this the dynamic between those two has been great since day one. Um, something that I find super interesting, not to like you know go too far off the the front four, but um, I've been trying to think about like really trying to quantify how young this defense is and I looked at it I mean folks in the back seven anybody that doesn't play defensive line for the Chiefs here are the guys that are not on their rookie contract Justin Reed Dion Bush yeah Chris Lamonts yeah that's it those are the only guys that aren't on their rookie contract at linebacker corner and safety three guys two of them are safeties justin reed just signed he'll stay here but he's still like 26. deon bush was on a one-year deal chris lamont's on a one-year deal everyone else is on their rookie contract now yeah hey thornhills is expiring we i doubt he's back Legereus, I think, is now extension eligible, will probably be an all-pro this year. I don't know if it'll be first team, but I, I, I have you seen? There's a tweet. I might try to find it if you guys haven't seen it. Hey, shout of, out to that guy. Of all of all the things that Sneed, and he's like in, in like the top four in all these different categories for defensive backs. It is wild. That dude had an, a, a historic season with all the ways that he uh, was contributing on the field. Cause he's yeah, I think it's just everything. all the different, all the different ways he can fill up a, a, a stat box. It's kind of, you almost think of like an NBA guy who's, you know, putting up uh, blocks and steals. Like he's just kind of putting up yeah. stats on every, like a Sean Marion comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, which can kind of do it all. Cause uh, Sneed, it's like, he's way up there in tackles, pass deflections, sacks, uh, you know what? Like he's he's just doing a ton. Probably tackles for loss. Like this dude is just really making a ton of plays for the Chiefs. And I mean, he's he's going to get a contract. But I look at it, and so it's like outside of the defensive line, you've got all that youth, and then you go to the defensive line, and like, I mean, Colin Saunders is in the last year of his rookie deal. He might be back potentially. Um, but you know. Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap are guys that are obviously veterans for this team. But, like, you still have Mike Dana on a rookie contract? That A player. We love Mike Dana on Dude. this podcast. He, and obviously, he, he reached dude status this week. Right? He reached dude status. I'm not sure if you saw that, but official. Dude yeah. status. Mike so Dana Dana's, matters. He's a dude. Uh, I actually – George, I, I too. Got a lot of thoughts here. Uh, we mentioned a couple names that I want to highlight because we've been critical of them. And I really think they've had a good 
last quarter of the season. Reed and that's Thornhill. Justin Reed right. and Juan Thornhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, very critical of the safety room, especially after that Cincinnati game. Um, just where are the plays? What, what are they doing out here? Since then, we got stats popping up. Justin Reed uh, is manning up on tight ends quite a bit and shutting them down. And Juan Thornhill's actually out there making plays. Um, so, you know, two things we wanted to see. We wanted to see some, what does what does Justin Reed actually do? We've seen some things that he actually does. And who's going to make some actual plays in the de- defensive backfield? And Juan Thornhill stepping up and making some plays. So um, that's very promising to see. Um, another thing, with the defensive ends, am I crazy? I think Frank Clark is our least productive defensive end. Like out of Dunlap, George, and Dana... Um, and Frank actually plays the most snaps out of these guys. He's, he's usually up like 70, 80% where the other three guys are all kind of, you know, very even around like 50%. And I just feel like I see the fewest amount of plays from Frank. Am I crazy? Um, not that he's been terrible. I'm not like, I'm not like Frank's had a terrible season, uh, versus initial contract. Yeah. He had a terrible season, but, uh, we've moved past that into, uh, the, uh, you know, post post of that uh, post contract part of his career uh but i i like the other three guys more than him uh did you did you see the stat that i put out in the middle of the game i started thinking about it they they showed uh chris jones's career sacks and i was like hmm and i went and looked and frank has played one more year than chris and chris has uh i think after that game he's up to six more sacks than frank for their careers uh with with this defensive tackle Chris Jones playing one fewer season in the NFL. I actually did see that stat and I thought it was too close. And I actually fact checked you on it because I thought it would be a wider margin. Like with oh. Chris Jones having that 15 and a half sack season. And then again, up around 15 again this season. And I knew Frank didn't always have high sack. So I actually thought that that margin would, would be bigger. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I would say that in terms of uh, like real productivity or even just like I noticed this player make some kind of play or be involved in pressuring the quarterback or whatever. Yeah, I probably see 55 the least out of those defensive ends. Um, I guess I just I don't know that I can like name a play and I I'm not sitting here reviewing the all 22 uh i don't feel like i've had any complaints about frank i haven't had that like oh my gosh what was he doing or he totally gave up on that or whatever so like he's fine you know i frank is unoffensive to me at this point um but the other three have moved past that they've moved into offensive or maybe they've moved into defensive He's inoffensive, and they've moved into defensive. That's <laughs> like square peg round hole. Like I'm going <laughs> to stick with the terminology, even though it definitely doesn't work. Um, I I I don't disagree with you. I think they've moved past Frank, but I'll tell you this, and he told you folks himself. It's playoffs. He's a different animal. All right, and let's see, uh, let's see it. I, I think BJ's the one that always brings this stat up, and I'm totally going to misquote it, but I think oh, yeah. he's a sack or two away from, like, top three all-time in playoff sacks. Oh, yeah. He's already, like, top five or six. Like, he's way up. He's got almost 
I guess eight and a half or something, nine playoff sacks. It's a lot. Um, and, and he's very close to being super elite, or maybe he might even be like close to number one. Number one's a fun name. Uh, looks like Frank Clark is Clark is tied for fifth. Okay. Um, with Dwight Freeney, with James Harrison, with Clay Matthews ahead of Von Miller. Um, tied with Lamar Woodley. There's a fun one. Um, above him, Reggie White, Terrell Suggs, Chiefs, Chiefs great, Terrell Suggs, Bruce Smith, and number one in playoff sacks, Willie McGinnis. There you go. Willie McGinnis, who I think just got arrested uh, in LA like a month or two ago. Yeah. Shout out to Willie. I actually saw the video. He clocked the guy good. He went into a restaurant and just clocked the guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, good. Yep. So, another playoff sack for Willie. That's assault, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been playoff season in that restaurant. Must have right. been. He right. wouldn't show up for a regular season beef. No way. Well, he's um, how close is he to number one? Like, how where's what's give us uh, so number. Willie's at 16, uh, 14 and a half, 12 and a half, 12, and then Frank's at 11. Okay, uh, so if he has sacks, two sacks, two sacks in this playoffs, he can move it to third all time. Boom, which, uh, seems pretty reasonable. Uh, yeah. how about I want to focus on. I've kind of touched on this, but I just want to reiterate going into the playoffs, what I'm keeping my eye on with the defense. And I think it's ways that the opposing offense is going to attack this chiefs team. And I think we've seen it play out over the last, uh, you know, month of the season or whatever. Uh, But when I think the chiefs are in man coverage, I think you will see them attacking the man who has uh, won that cornerback three job. We've been keeping our eye on that for a while. Uh, Jalen Watson played every snap, or not every snap, but every third corner snap in this game. Uh, so he has has that job on lock. But I think you will just he's just going to be such an important player in this playoff run because if they see man coverage, I think they will be attacking Jalen Watson. And so it'll just be, you know, third and six after third and eight after third and four. What are you going to do, Jalen Watson? Because the opposing quarterbacks will be coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I noticed in the Raiders game, and I guess it's not really a surprise. Um, I want to say three or four separate occasions, Stidham threw the same ball to the same area of the field to Devontae Adams. And I, almost all the time was like on a first down and they'd gain like 20 or 25. That deep in route. It was just that deep middle between yep. the numbers. And it's so it's kind of like in between the safeties over Bolton's head, whatever this spot. And I'm like, okay, does that mean that we can't? Like, can we, can, can we not? Are we trying to emphasize something else today? I don't really know. But they went to it like three or four times, and they hit it every time. Sorry, that might sounded bad in your ears. I just hit my hand. Uh, no, it sounded great to me. It I was emphasizing. Oh, the fan. Oh, the listeners. Well, we don't. We don't care about that. Oh, there's another um, onomatopoeia. Pop. <laughs> Pop. Um, so the other thing in my notes, it's like you stole it from my notes. The other way they're going to attack this team is in the middle of the field in zone coverage. And I think that's what you saw with those Devante in breaking routes. Uh, and they're just going to take advantage of the lack of athleticism or whatever you want to call it between Bolton and gay gay has the athleticism. I just don't know. He seems to just get picked on a little bit. Uh, gay's also got to clean up the, the coming in way too hot. When he's when he's making a tackle because he just he comes in way too hot every time. Well, uh, you know, if they, let him, 
If the, they the rest of the team doesn't snaps, seem to like come in into the game, sorry, we're talking over each other. My bad. Well, the rest of the team doesn't seem to come in too hot. The rest of the team is just like sits back and and lets guys run into them and gain three extra yards. So it's like, can we get some middle ground here, guys? Uh, but I do think that's the two ways that I think offensive coordinators are going to be attacking this defense all playoffs long. Like that's been identified because McDuffie's a little established. Sneed is a good corner. That's those are the two ways they're going to be coming after this defense. One of the things that <clears throat> the smart guys over on KCSN have been talking about this year is that with such a young secondary, they've had to play some pretty basic coverages really like throughout the season. And that like once McDuffie got back in the lineup and maybe when these guys had more snaps and experience and even new guys like Justin Reed, you know, in the system, whatever, that like they'll be able to add some things that are more complex, more difficult for the quarterback um, and be able to play Spagnolo defense, essentially. Um, can I tell you that they're doing that? I have no idea. No idea. Probably trying to do some of that. But at, if there's any indication for an amateur such as myself, it's the fact that they've even considered and shown that they're willing to just say, hey, you know what, uh, LJ, you're going to go cover the number one receiver if we think it's a right matchup. Um, and you're just going to follow that person around the field and we'll play McDuffie in the slot and, you know, we'll rotate Joshua Williams and we'll put Jalen Watson in there. And sometimes, you know, if we have to play in the base, like we'll figure it out. We can, this defense has become a little more flexible. Um, and maybe it's just because of McDuffie being back, but like McDuffie being able to play inside, outside and Snead being able to play inside, outside and the, the different size on those guys, like, I think that they have some stuff that they might be able to surprise a team or two with defensively because these rookies have gotten so many snaps. That's my hope, at least. That's like the the optimistic view. Well, I, I think there's another aspect here. You know, we always talk about the Chiefs not wanting to show everything, and we usually use that as an Andy Reid thing and the offensive thing. But Steve Spagnuolo is one of the more creative defensive quarter. Uh, 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 coordinators uh with the way he disguises <laughs> quarterinators <laughs> oh you're going i'll get there the coffee shakes are catching quarterbacks. up <laughs> um and the way he disguises coverages the way he disguises blitzes um and i think you saw him start to reach into that bag against the raiders i saw like it seemed like five of the first six or seven snaps they they blitzed a safety like like where is like justin reed was coming in um and and the other guy uh, <laughs> I saw McDuffie get one from the slot too. I mean, he oh liked yeah, McDuffie was coming in off the slot a lot. Like and and I feel like there has been a lack of that throughout a lot of the season uh, with just going playing pretty vanilla. Uh, and I think that does lean into the overall philosophy of we're not going to show our hand against bad teams. We are going to just play vanilla and win this game against bad teams. And then against the good teams, we're going to break it out, and they're not going to have any film on it. Uh, and I think you really start to see that in this game because I think they treated this as a de facto playoff game. Um, and I think that's that's a huge thing. So uh, I think that might be something that they were saving for the playoffs. And, it, you know, that might lead to a lot of success here. Like it's that's that's how this defense can be great is if Spagnolo comes in with that wild card, especially if they don't get a lot of looks at it beforehand and and he's attacking defenses that way because. Spagnuolo's whole thing is that he brings these exotic blitzes. And we really haven't seen that for a lot of the season. 
Um, so I am excited to see that and see him get into his bag uh, and start to mix up some of his coverage. And maybe that unleashes this defense to a, a whole other level. I mean, I think that like they, they have more that they can do and whether it's next year when they add some different pieces and it's shuffled around or we get to really see it in these playoffs, time will tell. Here's if you had to like, you know, make a, a singular statement about the defense, at least for me, I think they don't really give you like a huge margin for error, but they're basically doing their job. Their job is to make sure that like, if the offense has a good game, then we win, which is the expectation. This, this team is driven by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's driven by offense. The defense is just supposed to kind of show up and do its job and be middle of the pack. And they finished 17th in DVOA. And in the early part of the season, they weren't turning people over. And now they've started to, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things. The pass rush has been consistent throughout the year. They, they, you know, got blanked against the Bengals, um, complete no show, but the rest of the season, almost every other opponent, like they have beat people up. The pass rush has been good. And even if some of it is a blitz here or there and getting sacks from linebackers and defensive backs, and it's not just this, you know, 49ers front four or whatever, um, it's working. And they're not like sabotaging themselves just to try to manufacture a pass rush. There may have been some times where we, you know, you'd feel a little frustrated and I wish that they could be better. And, you know, people have had things to say, but the numbers speak for themselves. And I don't think that there's a whole lot that we should be complaining about on a pass rush that really only added Carlos Dunlap. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you obviously Karloftis, but um i'm 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 happy with where the defense is but i think like that to to put the like the banner over the defense i'd be saying they don't necessarily give you a huge margin for error but i do think they're doing their job yeah i mean and we talk about the formula with this team and they finished exactly 16th in points allowed on the season they finished 17th in dvoa you can't get more dead even than 16th and 17th in right. the nfl and they actually finished 20th in turnovers forced mm -hmm. uh, after being at the you know in the in the dregs of the league for most of the season. So was that the uh, oh that's forced? Where did we end up in in the plus minus the margin? Because I know that they we had a negative turnover differential for a a, a minute there. I don't have it offhand. We were 17th okay. in turnovers on offense, so probably right around 17th or to 20th. Okay, right on there. I mean, let's, let's we're kind of talking offense. You know? Yeah, let's let's switch a little bit. Let's let's t uh, do a little coaching in between. Okay, cool. Because something's rearing its head a little bit. A lot of people have been talking about it throughout the year, um, and it's something I think we used to worry about a lot, and we don't talk about as much now. But how aggressive will Andy Reid be? Uh, he had a fourth and two punt in this game at the Raiders' forty-two yard line, uh, which I hated. Um, it's not going to matter that much against the Raiders. And this might be just a decision that he made, you know, in a, in a game where they're much better. And he, so you don't want to take risks against a, a much worse team kind of thing. Um, however, when you're playing the Bengals and Bills or in a Super Bowl, I would love to see Andy be more aggressive. Um, and I just, I feel like he had kind of, he was always super conservative and it worried us. And then like Patrick Mahomes came and it seemed like it kind of loosened him up. 
And I actually have some playoff, um, you know, numbers to go through here that I kind of crunched today because I was just like, how aggressive has Andy been through the years in the playoffs? Because I really feel like he overcame it and then kind of dropped down this year to not be as aggressive. And I don't know what's happened. Um, football, outsiders, football Outsiders has a aggressive index. Uh, they only do this after the season. They don't keep track of it during the season. I don't even know what the fuck goes into it, but it basically just measures how often a coach goes for fourth down when he should. Um, and over the years, so the Chiefs ranked last year 14th. This is in terms of most aggressive, so the 14th most aggressive, so pretty much middle of the league. Uh, 2020, they were 13th. 2019, they were actually 27th. Uh, and 2017, they were 23rd. I couldn't find 2018. Um, so he's actually gotten more aggressive through the years but I feel like this year has really taken a step back and not been as aggressive in fourth down situations. Is this a concern for you at all going into the playoffs? They do have, I also want to say the second fewest fourth down attempts on the season. Um, and that's just pure terms of attempts. Now, obviously they're winning in a lot of these games, so they're not going to go for fourth downs late in the game when, when you're losing kind of thing. Uh, but in terms of overall attempts for this season, they are second, second lowest in the NFL. Uh, all right. So this is complex, uh, because generally speaking, the aggressiveness or lack thereof, um, I personally try to not get bent out of shape about different decisions on whether or not they should kick punt or go for it. Um, sometimes it feels like those are such huge swings in a game um and wrong decisions can really bite you but i don't know how much i factored into my chiefs watching experience but i will tell you this much and this still falls into coaching it's andy's job to show faith in the other units um at different times i do believe that that is important he can't just say we have patrick mahomes so we're going to go for it always like you have to show some trust and empower, I think other people on your team's delegating responsibility. Um, I do not want him to delegate any responsibility to Harrison Butker for the rest of the year. I don't wanna watch him line up for a field goal at this point. And, and that's a quick swing for me, guys, but I'm saying it because the injury that Butker has dealt with and continues to deal with, you know, back spasms, he, he ended up kicking, not missing any kicks, looking good, looking fine. But like, I, I don't want the anxiety of Harrison Butker lining up for a kick, especially in a pressurized situation in a season where he hasn't been right the entire time. He just hasn't. And, 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 you know, I guess it just ends up being sort of a, pun but like i'd rather have matthew right he's the right right he's really? the right he's the right right for me in the playoffs i know it's the playoffs i don't care like butker it's all routine any but any expert has talked about like it's about being able to replicate take the same number of steps the same leverage the same follow-through everything it's about repeating things and when you are injured, you start making all these different accommodations to make your body comfortable and everything else. And everything about Butker's routine has been thrown off this year and he's not right. And, and I just don't, I don't want it to come down to a kick. That's, that's, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. So if that means being more aggressive in some of those 
should we, should we not situations where normally I would have been like, send him out there. Butker's incredible. Anybody other than Justin Tucker, I'm taking Butker. And I'll do it to start next year, 100%. I have no actually like problems in faith with Butker except for the situation that he's in right now. I don't want to watch him kick. So a couple of things. It's interesting that they kept Matthew Wright on the active roster for that Raiders game, even though Butker was kicking, because I think they like him enough that it's just like, okay, if something happens to Butker, or even if he misses a kick, like this, it could be injury. It could just be like, if, I mean, oh, if he so goes out there and misses a kick. Was Wright active on Sunday? He was on the 53 and the 46 or whatever was, it is? No, no, no. He was, he was inactive for the game, but he was on the mm. active roster. So like he wouldn't okay. be practice squad so like other team could come in and swoop them up like we're not even going to see justin reed the the emergency kicker is active on game day can you imagine two only place kickers we got three kickers we can put out three kickers and run all kinds of trick plays just do it on first down just do it on first down they won't they won't know what's coming have my homes out there too we can spin around don't you know think, what the hell is going on. You think people are complaining about Dave Tube now? Wait till you see two kickers active on game day. We're spinning around for field goals and getting our kicker all dizzy before he kicks the ball. <laughs> and I don't know about that one. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting. I went back and looked at some playoffs, um, and this might be a little dry, but I wanted to do it. Uh, and a lot of these were kind of field goal situations that they elected to go for it. Uh, so 2019. They're down 10-0 to Tennessee at the 28, and they go for a fourth and two. Um, Super Bowl, they're down 3-0 early in the first on the five-yard line, and they go for a fourth and one. This was a Rose Bowl right parade, actually. Um, later in that game, they're up 7-3 to on the 49ers 19, and they go for that fourth and one as well. So good history in, in 2019. 2020, at their own 48 against Cleveland, up 19-10, they go for a fourth and one. Later in that game, they go for the famous fourth and one uh, conversion to Tyreek Hill to put the game away, which was the ultimate fourth down balls on the table kind of move. Wasn't that Chad um, Henney? That was, yeah, with Chad Henney in the game at that point. Um, they were down nine, nothing to in the AFC championship to Buffalo. This is the one where we end up beating them up pretty good, but we start out the game down nine, nothing. Uh, and we go for a fourth and one at the Buffalo 23. Uh, and we get all of these, by the way, we get every single one of these on the list. Um, and then last year, uh, that game against Buffalo, we're tied 14-14 uh, at their 40 and go for a fourth and one. So a lot of positive signs that he's been aggressive in playoffs past. Um, and then I, I assume he's going to revert back to that. Um, but, you know, time will tell. But I, I, he seems to like to go for fourth and ones in field goal range more than like the fourth and mids at like, you know, midfield, say. So like fourth and four at their 45 kind of thing. He seems to lean punt on those, whereas fourth and one in field goal range, he, he kind of likes to go for those, um, okay. which is ironic, which will lead into our first thing that I'm keeping my eye on for the Chiefs offense going into the playoffs. And that's third and ones, uh, because it came out during this game, which a fact that I might have guessed, but didn't know for sure. They were the worst in the NFL on third and ones this season. Um, and these plays, I mean, think of the plays we've gone through. We had the fullback trap, uh, which has gone to shit. Um, we third and ones just running the ball up the gut. It seems like we've gotten stuffed on those quite a bit. Um, we obviously don't have the Mahomes sneak in our bag, 
We did get Blake Bell back if we want to go to that tight end sneak formation. That'll be well scouted, but yeah, and, and maybe this plays off it, but we haven't shown it for a while. And Noah Gray, um, too. I mean, like he took they the could, one, they... he did the one. Uh, but Blake Bell's obviously more comfortable doing it. He was a, uh, a quarterback in college. Um, Honestly, so I want to see Kelsey do it. Kelsey take the snap. I mean, he he played quarterback too in high school. But like when they've done the that formation, when Kelsey receives a direct snap, it's because that's what he played in college. So going under center, you know, I, I'm sure he's practiced it. But whatever, big dude can lean yeah. forward, powerful. Yeah. And they've they've pulled that out in playoff games. They have done the Kelsey getting a snap and just pretty much running up the gut yeah. uh, play in playoffs past. Uh, but it'll just be interesting because I think these are. And, and, and even third ones, third and twos. They missed two third and twos against the Raiders where they just dropped back and passed and didn't get it. Now, these are plays you got to convert on in the playoffs. And you just got to wonder what Andy has in the bag. Everybody's doing like this quarterback sneak with the push from behind. The Chiefs haven't shown that yet. I don't know if you can slide in Blake Bell to take the snap and then push him from behind with someone else. Um, Put all three tight ends on the field. The other two tight ends are shovers. I mean, like... They're they're running more. Is that that's thir- thirteen personnel? I think. Yeah. Is one yeah look at you. Line. Hey. Um. And I th- I believe the Chiefs are number one in the league in thirteen personnel. They have been putting three tight ends on the field a lot, and Andy's doing it just to whatever get the different matchups. And I I Dirk, I regret to inform you. I kind of like No Gray. Yeah, me too. I, me I, too. I, I kind of like No Gray. <laughs> Uh, I feel like he's he's doing th- some things, and he doesn't have a big role in the offense in terms of like like targets. But I think that if the targets ever did increase for him, that I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't be like, why are we throwing the ball to Noah Gray? He's got a little, he's got a little wiggle. He's got a wiggle. A little, he's got a little juice. He's got a little acceleration to him. Um, I kind of piling on a little bit on this offense. Um, I, I had the, the third down stats are staggering. I had no idea they were the worst in the league on third and one. That's it so came out randomly weird. in the game. They go, cause they're the worst in the NFL uh, on third and ones and the best in the NFL on third and tens. Hey, best and worst. Okay. Uh, well something else that they were really struggling at that I heard in game and I never really saw anybody talking about it after the fact, um, Against Denver the week before, the Chiefs had their first opening drive touchdown in 11 weeks. Yeah, what the hell was that? And I think they all did they score in the opening drive against the Raiders too? And not, I say score touchdown. I don't know if they kicked a field goal on that first one. Touchdown in the opening drive, yep. Okay, so they ended the season on a on back-to-back weeks of opening drive touchdowns after an 11-game drought. Um the first 15, not really working, apparently, there for yeah. a stretch. Um, Which was like the so, exact opposite of last season, I want to say, that like our opening drives were fantastic, and then the offense kind of sputtered after that. Yeah, like the I remember we spent a lot second, of time talking third, about... fourth drives were rough last year. Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time talking about the Andy Reid 15. It's just like, Andy, script, script the whole damn game. Yeah. And now we're like, Andy, throw the script out the window. So let me let me say this about this Chiefs offense. Um, it's it. They're so weird. God, they're weird. It's such a weird offense. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I feel like, is squeezing 
All right, I'm going to give you a, another analogy here. Actually, from a movie that I recently uh, gave an analogy from. Um, in Moneyball, there's a scene where Billy Bean is talking to David Justice, and he's like, hey, let's be real with each other. I'm trying to squeeze the last ounce of baseball that you have left, and you're trying to spend one more year in the sun. So, like, let's just be okay with that, right? Um I feel like what Patrick Mahomes has done is squeezed like every ounce of what he can out of every single skill position player on this team. He got contributions from Blake Bell and Jody Fortson and Noah Gray, obviously Travis Kelsey, arguably Travis Kelsey's best season as a pro at age 33. Um, I don't know that Juju was ever underutilized. He started slow. He really picked it up, and then he missed a couple games for the concussion, and they brought him back slowly. He came up just shy of 1,000. If anybody had like a like a disappointing year, we could say Sky. Um, you know, we could say McColl because he missed time because of injury. We could maybe say some MVS. But like all these different guys they've missed for different reasons or they haven't been utilized for different reasons. Look at what Patrick Mahomes has done. He's out here MVP season and squeezing every last drop out of all of these guys he's out there completing passes to like 15 to himself. different players and to himself himself all right put it on the hall of fame resume it's it's very interesting to me um i don't know like how talented they are but i think that they are very very deep and here's something that i think is coming i'm i'm making a production of my own mm-hmm. uh isaiah pacheco folks a guy that everyone was excited about you know week week one all right ready to see what this kid can do uh here are pacheco's longest plays of the season rushing 31 yards receiving 32 yards kick return 48 yards I want to tell you that he's going to have new career highs in all three of those things in the playoffs, but that feels aggressive. But I will say that his his longest play of his career will happen in the playoffs. He is getting closer and closer and closer to breaking one. We see it. He gets like he just gets tripped up at the end of a play. He's only got one man to beat, and like it's gonna happen. Pacheco is going to give you a long touchdown, a play of more than 48 yards, it will happen in these playoffs. And I think that getting those explosive plays, because look, folks, we've been talking about they can't get the deep ball working. Okay, well, you know what? Sometimes when the deep ball isn't working, you hand the ball off to Damian Williams and he goes 70 yards, all right? That's what it looked like at times in 2019. And now that we're really playing against these defenses that don't want us to throw deep and we haven't had McColl out there and MVS can't do it on his own and he's a body catching guy at 6'5". I mean, look, we've struggled throwing the ball deep. But if you can get explosive plays like you've gotten, you know, from McKinnon out of the backfield, uh, having a 66-yard screen play touchdown, right? Like they start incorporating some explosive plays. Long touchdowns don't have to be deep shots. And, And I think... That is coming from Isaiah Pacheco. I I am fully expecting 
a big explosive long touchdown from Pacheco in these playoffs. Yeah, and it looks like he had that longest run. He had a 31-yard run against uh, the Raiders just this week. So um, I, I do – I like that production. I love productions of any kind. Uh, but, yeah, just the talking about the toys on the offense, um, you know, you, talk, you kind of talk about squeezing everything out of them. Um, I think a lot of them are just kind of coming into use now uh, in terms of – I mean, you kind of talked about Juju and MBS. I think they kind of did what they were supposed to, and it's – that's kind of what we had the idea of going in, into the season. Like Mahomes, Mahomes is the man. So put like some marginal talent around him and that's fine because he can carry them throughout the season for sure. But now we have some different shiny toys that are coming on. Uh, Kadarius Tony, who is, man, when he gets the ball in his hands, absolutely electric. Uh, and we actually, we, we actually had a third one conversion early in that game uh, where we ran a little jet sweep to him. So that's another thing to keep an eye on for third and ones. I'm, I'm Telling you, third and ones, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat every single time. Um, just seeing what Andy comes up with and if they're able to convert. I think those will just be huge. Um, you have Jarek, Jerk McChicken, who is Mahomes' new playground toy. Um, and it's just like, I, I, he used to do all this playground stuff with Kelsey, and now it seems like almost like Jerk is his preferred guy to go to on these. Um, the, the play that he made pitching it to Jerk for the touchdown was so eerily similar. I'm going to tweet out these screenshots uh, somewhat promoting this, this podcast, attached to this podcast, uh, because I took screenshots of both of those touchdowns. They look fucking identical. The one, when he, the, the one to Kelsey against yeah. the Texans, and he's rolling left, and he's way closer to the line against the Texans, but it's like he's he's at the left sideline, and he's got three defenders on him, and he's just pitching it back uh, to a guy that's just kind of sitting there. Uh, so that was kind of like a playoff little concept that they ran in that playoffs. They did it multiple times because the Texans don't don't really show it too much, but then brought it out here in this game against against the Raiders. So thoughts on both of those guys, and I'll start with McChicken. Uh, so obviously, I think everyone saw a couple different moments in this game where uh, he gets out and makes a great block in space. Um, and and he's making these great receptions. He's got nine receiving touchdowns this year, more than uh, our dearly departed Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, he broke the consecutive game streak for receiving touchdowns for a running back. I don't think he has like the all-time number of receiving touchdowns by a running back in a regular season, does he? Did he? Statistic here, he has nine receiving touchdowns <laughs> this season. Um, that's only been done twice since 1975. Both dudes had nine themselves. Uh, it's Marshall Falk and Leroy Horde. Um, it would have taken you probably 500 guesses to get to Leroy no Horde, but there he is right there on the list. Never would have got not a, not a Tecmo Super Bowl player, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, I know Leroy Horde. I'm just saying I never I, well, he's I a fat Mac. have gotten there. That's what he's I'm a, thinking. He's a fat Mac. I have no idea what he was doing on this list. Uh, but, yeah, there he was. So only done twice. Uh, and one dude, I think only one dude had more. Um, and I don't, I don't know who it was now, but only one dude had more as a running back in terms of receiving touchdowns. And yet McKinnon's done all this in like the last seven weeks. Like it's yeah. it's like eight of his nine have come in the last six yeah. or seven weeks. Uh, um, so he just, he does everything. I, I love watching him run the ball between the tackles. Uh, he's patient. He's explosive. He's powerful despite being small. That dude puts his shoulder into people on the sidelines. He's not like always trying to get out of bounds. Sometimes he wants to prove a point. That dude is so tough. 
and the way that he pass blocks. And that's not even yet talking about what that guy can do as a receiver, whether it's screen games or running pure routes or just being a check down. Like he does everything. And uh, I don't know why I have this in my notes, but I also wrote Dirk and Jerk. <laughs> just, I don't know what that was going to be. There, but well, I there might be one of those. You're talking about jerk and chicken so much. There might be a little Dirk and jerk here this a week. Little, a little Dirk and jerk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on Kadarius Tony, I, I look. I, I have to. I have to address the elephant in the room. I can't look Kadarius Tony directly in the face. I can't do it. There's something about his eyes and his smile, and and it just. I don't know. I can't. I can't look at him. There's something about his face that makes me deeply uncomfortable, and I don't know what it is. But my God, I, it's like I can't. I can't look straight at him. It's like he's he, and and when he's a football player, when he's out there on the field and he's healthy, it's like I can't look directly at him either because he's just shining so brightly. It's beautiful. The camera can't keep up with him the way that he jitterbugs around on the field. Um, <laughs> the memes of anytime Kadarius Tony touches the ball were just the Marge Simpson one. Lord, the Marge was. Oh my god! I'm just like I I love this guy, but I I mean it. I know everyone got a kick out of the Pat Mahomes look. That's how he looks all the time. That dude looks like a serial killer or something. I can't. I can't. I can't look at him in the face. I can't do it. Well, I mean, luckily you don't have to. He's a football player and he's wearing a, a helmet. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very low opportunity that you'll ever have to look at him in the face. Good news. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Andy said something about, uh, like, these running backs. Um, and then he said, Tony got a touchdown there. And Jarek got a touchdown there. And <laughs> Ronald Jones got one. And I'm like, Tony the running back. I mean, look. You know, then oh, people started kind of comparing him to Percy Harvin. Um, I mean, he took direct handoffs, you know, and on nice. on one of those Tony ones is when Jarek is the lead blocker and gets out and, you know, makes up the key block on a play. Um, I mean, <clears throat> look, anytime that you want to run Mahomes in the shotgun with any two of those weapons flanking him is a good play in my book. I don't care how you do it. It can be McColl. It can be Travis. It can be any combination of running backs. It can be Tony. It can be Sky Moore. Like, do all of that stuff because it, it's wonderful. So, I mean, yes. Yeah, so, you have all these things we talked about. Two weeks ago against the Broncos, they were actually using Sky Moore in, um, like, some package plays, throwing some screens to him. He looked nice doing that. And on top of all of that, you have McColl Hardman, who should be coming back and, and adding another element. And it's just like... The amount of toys, maybe there's not one elite toy, or I guess Kelsey would be an elite toy, uh, but even Travis Kelsey, last two weeks, they've only been dumping off to him underneath. Like they've been showing nothing to Kelsey. I don't know if it's just to give him a breather, just to not show anything, but it's just like Kelsey's only catches the last couple weeks are just three yard dump offs. I believe that he's also on like a six or more game streak of no touchdowns. Yeah. After after starting the season super duper hot and like might even be like his career high in touchdowns and then just got blanked in the end zone the last six or seven or eight games. I think it's I want to say it's six. Looks like six. Yes. Six okay. straight games without a touch. His butt went in the end zone, but the ball did not go in the end zone. At this yeah. game. So you have all those toys uh, using Tony just on jet sweeps out of the backfield and screens. 
uh, even throwing go balls to Tony. Um, and then, do you think, well, a couple things. Are you afraid at all that they try to put Clyde back in this offense? Because I believe Clyde came off IR or is supposed to come off IR or something. I don't want Clyde to see the field. Are you afraid of that happening? Yes, you are. Do not I, put him on the field. <laughs> I well, so I mean, uh, I was thinking, I was interpreting "afraid" a little bit differently because I was like, "Am I afraid that they are going to put him on the field?" Yeah. Um, I don't want to see him. I don't think we're gonna. That's kind of where I I'm at. I, I look. It's it might just be the end of the season, and they're trying to do right by a veteran or whatever. Like, well, let's let him get a little tape out there, or whatnot. I don't know why you hand Ronald Jones the ball finally in like week 17, more than one token carry, um, if you don't think that maybe you need to use him. That was that was my next question. Do they use – I mean, Ronald, he was obviously getting the ball in garbage time down the at the very end, but they kind of used him in some short yardage. They used him on the goal line. Is this something that they might have in mind for this third and one problem is that, you know – as as hard as Pacheco runs, he's not as smart, and he's not just like, you know, we don't need you to bust a run here. We need you to get one yard. We need you to do whatever you can to get one yard, which I trust Ronald Jones to do more than I trust Pacheco. And I almost kind of wonder if they bust him out on some third and one and some goal lines in these playoffs. I mean, I've always thought that Ronald Jones had a role on this team. Um, I always thought that there's some way that they can use him and if it's short yardage, like, so be it. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. This is how I view Ronald Jones, at least. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to use a popular uh, and prominent running back just to understand kind of the way uh, that Pacheco doesn't run. All right. You're blunt. This is not a comparison, but when you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, this guy runs, he's, he's very yeah. upright. He's a, he's a super big burly dude. And like, he just goes to where he's supposed to. There's not necessarily a whole lot. He's, he's got great intuition. He knows how to read his blocks, but like he just runs with conviction. Um, at, but, but he's There's no dancing. There's no but dancing. He's very smooth at it. And like with Pacheco, Pacheco is uh, almost like a pinball. Like this dude will hit people, but sometimes it bounces him back. Sometimes he gets popped. Like, but he's very explosive, like when people come to him and people hit Derrick Henry and sometimes they just fall on the ground, whatever. He's a special guy. All right. But Ronald Jones is not as big as Derrick Henry, but Ronald Jones is like 6'2, 230 pounds. When people hit Ronald Jones, he doesn't fly backward the way that Pacheco can. And he's not trying to go and do stuff like that. Like Ronald Jones is the you need three yards, I get you three yards. He is a pure running back right in one yard because i think third and two they're not even they never look like pure run on third and two it's just yeah. not andy sees third and two as a passing down and with yeah. Mahomes, i mean i'm i'm not mad at it but third and one that's that's kind of when he uses the run game and that's who we need we need someone who's going to get one yard consistently and i wish because our interior offensive line is so respected i wish we were better at it because I, I mean, we we seem to like all three of these guys a lot. Why aren't we regularly picking up third and ones? Like, why can't these guys? And maybe it's just not their strength or what? Like, I I can't I can't figure that one. I can't cross those two lines. Yeah, that is definitely a strange one. 
But I mean, I do know that I've seen at times, and I feel like these two should probably be better at, you know, eliminating somebody in, in the run game than like great pass protection. But I know that like guys can knife through or get around the tackle and come around the edge and make a play without having to come straight up the middle on a short yardage play. Seeing like a defensive end make that play. I, I mean, I think that was Vaughn Miller a couple times in the Bills game. And I mean, it's Vaughn. He's fucking Hall of Famer. But like that can happen to where even if the middle is solid, like Brown or Wiley could potentially blow it or maybe a tight end, a miscommunication, whatever. Um, you know, so it may not be strictly on those interior guys, but with them leading the way, you should feel so confident. And, and that's the thing, you know, the Chiefs are are always going to be a little bit of a conundrum, I think, because you have the best player in the league. And so you're always going to be inclined to just like, well, how can Pat affect this situation? But like football is a game that like everybody has to do something for a play to be successful. Usually if a guy gets beat, then your play doesn't work. Um, and, and not being able to run the ball in certain situations, um, that's a scary thing uh, for this offense. But I think it's also important for us to remember that like all these different moments, all these games that we felt were too close um, you know, drops that have happened throughout the year and just kind of feeling like, God, we're not blowing teams out, whatever. They finished the season as the number one offense in the NFL, did they not? It's number one in basically every offensive category. So, yeah, um, we can scrutinize these Chiefs as, we, as we've done in the past two years past, which is kind of a futile exercise. You know, well, this may not be the best Chiefs team that we've ever seen. I don't know, folks. This might be the best Patrick Mahomes that we have seen and maybe the best full collection of talent that we have seen. Um, and I, I don't. I just want people to be open to that possibility. And ultimately, um, this might be kind of where I, I finish my thoughts for the day, Dirk. Not that I can't continue to is talk this, about is things. This a walk-off? But, is this a walk-off? No, I don't have to be. But well, here's Mike, the, Are you going to drop your, your mic? Your pod, no, Mike? I mean, it's no. pretty heavy. It might do some damage. I don't want to do that. It would inevitably, after the day that I've had, land on my foot and I'd need to go to the hospital. And I couldn't because my car won't start. So that's that's where I would be. Um, no, here, here's, the, here's the thing, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, amateurs everywhere. Amateurs unite. It's playoff time, folks. Oh. Oh. And and over the last few seasons, and really even since Patrick Mahomes won his first MVP back in uh, 2018, Dirk has been telling you, and I've been piling on and taking some of the credit, but it's Dirk that's been telling you, that what the experience is going to be of watching the Kansas City Chiefs for the foreseeable future, for all of Mahomes' career, is we're going to have these ups and downs and little frustrations and whatever, but the Chiefs are inevitably going to be in the playoffs. We're playing for January and February. And he said, you know what? It, it kind of sucks because it might mean that these regular season games just don't mean as much. And, you know, it might be at times kind of a little boring or whatnot. Like they just, you just know what's going to happen. Well, folks, we've arrived. We're mm. at the part of the season where Dirk tells you this is all that matters. Mm. This is what we're playing for. 
Yeah. The Chiefs are going to be doing that next weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. All right. The playoffs are here. The Chiefs have the best offense in the NFL. The Chiefs have the number one seed. And I cannot wait to see what they do. I am so excited to watch this specific team play in these playoffs because I've been telling people all year long, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to quantify it. I love this team. I love this collection of talent. Do they frustrate me? Yeah, to no end sometimes. And whether that's play on the field or the way that they're coaching them, yeah, there have been times where I've really struggled with this team and just been like, God, you guys are obnoxious. But I love this team. I love where they are and I love where they're headed. And uh, yeah, man, it's playoffs. Let's go. Let's go. It's playoff time. Fuck yeah, baby. No, I got me pumped. I like it. I love it. And yeah, that, I mean, that's just kind of what I'm talking A lot of this show has just been like, what have they been showing and what are they working towards in the playoffs? Because a lot of these things, what are they hiding? What are they about to break out? What do they like the best? Uh, and it all just kind of leads down to this. And they know it. I mean, everyone in that building, they know they're going to be there in January, even in a down year. Even in a down year where they go 14 and three and their coach trades away their top receiver and they retain the number one offense or even take back the number one offense, they improve in pretty much every offensive category. And he's, and it's still so expected that he can't even get mentioned in the coach of the year conversation. Not even mentioned, not once, not once, not, not thrown out there at all. Uh, but now it all comes down to this. Baffling. And, and it's, and it's just, he's, it's so expected that, you know, it's, man, it's, can we it's, like, can we like do like, let's just think about it for next year. Well, eh, it's not fair. This would have been the year. We should have started the campaign. We should have done the Andy Reid for coach of the year campaign and get Schrager on there and get him talking about it and create the narrative because it's just like, tweet guys, him. Just, just tweet him over and over. Just, just do it. Right. But if well, someone's I, really banging that drum, like, Andy is not the guy that's, you know, going to be out there with the press, you know, and, 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 and try to, I don't even think that he wants, he would want the chiefs to promote like Andy deserves coach of the year. They're probably just way too, you know, Oh, come on. We're, we're good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, I don't need that. Um, I, I've been staring that would, at my, that would, a, that would be a fun trail for sure. Coach of the year ticket. I've been staring at it all season as I have my Patrick Mahomes MVP ticket. Because this is much what I expected. I expected a huge bounce back. I expected the level to continue and everyone just be like, holy shit, they're still doing it without Tyreek Hill. Like, that's unbelievable. Um, so it's it's got a lot of how I expected. I, I'm excited to cash in on that Mahomes MVP ticket for a little, little Christmas bonus, a little post-Christmas, a little Groundhog Day bonus. Um, but I, I got some stats here. Uh, I came across a really funny stat. Speaking of Andy and Mahomes. Prior to Mahomes, Andy Reid had one 4,000-yard passer and one season with 26 passing touchdowns in his entire career before was Patrick the, Was it the same year when T.O. was in Philly? I think 4,000-yard passer and 26 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't look it up, but I think it has to be. Uh, and now you got Mahomes putting up, what did he put up, 5,200 passing yards this year? Uh, you know, 52-50. Uh, his averages for the four years uh, is 48 48 yards, 4,848 yards, and 38 and a half touchdowns per year. Um, so a lot of this, like, it was kind of like a comeback to, like, uh, I think it was Scott Cashmere or whatever who just tweets out great stat after great stat, and Brady 
hate after Brady hate. It's, it's he's a terrific follow. Um, but it was just like yeah, Andy Reid always gets this out of his quarterback. He's like, really? How about how about this? He's never even gotten close to what Mahomes is doing every single year now. Um, and some Mahomes totals: twenty six and three against the AFC West now, sixteen and zero on the road, eleven and zero versus the Broncos. I think the winning streak against the Broncos is up to fifteen now, almost a full season. Of, of Broncos victories. I think it's 15. We didn't do a show after the Broncos game. So one of our favorite streaks, we have to continue mentioning it. Um, I do. I do like the idea that next year, should they make Quinn Miners cry a little more oh. and, beat, and sweep the old Denver Broncos, that it will be not just the 16 game season, Mark, but the 17 game season, the 17 game <laughs> yeah, nice. streak. It would be delightful to match the newly elongated season worth of games winning off. <laughs> oh, yeah. The joy that came to my face when I saw a Denver Broncos player commenting on a play that happened between the Chiefs and Raiders and really an inconsequential play. I really didn't think it would. It became like a storyline, like it was a question posed on like, uh, on first things first and like different like were the chiefs being disrespectful and i was at first i thought this was just like some one patriots fan twitter account and it's just like this is unsportsmanlike i'm like that's when like it's kind of annoying like okay one guy said it can we not overreact to it but a fucking denver broncos player saying it out loud into the public oh my god man i i just watched the video multiple times in a row just like he said it he said this he cares this much they can't beat us like this this is <laughs> Terrific. Just terrific. Well, and our, our guy Ron Cop pointed out that Derek Wolf did the same thing before he left Denver. He was like, I just I hate I hate losing the Chiefs. We have to beat these guys. And he didn't succeed. And now we have a second player who's taken up the uh the old Derek Wolf mantle. I hate playing the Chiefs. Yeah, we know. We know. Of course you do. You should. Uh and man, I hate that that got called back on like one of the worst holding calls you'll ever see. It's just it's just Creed Humphrey planting a guy on the ground, and it's like that gets it's called a holding call. It's just, I hate that that didn't end in a touchdown. Which, which I sucks. didn't didn't we score on the next play anyway? We did. Darius Tony again. I wanted that play. I wanted to live forever. I wanted to I wanted to go down the lures. Just just yeah. delete that holding call from history. Um, last thing for me, uh, I ran a poll. Uh, toughest division around game for the Chiefs. And, you know, I had the Jags and Chargers and Dolphins and Ravens. I even put Ravens with Lamar. I even gave that disclaimer. The results came back 83% Chargers. Yeah. Now, this was before they played their starters for no reason and then got beat up by the Broncos. So maybe that maybe that changes the poll results a little bit here. Um, but anything you're keeping an eye on, anyone you're cheering for this weekend – um I, the chargers the toughest opponent that would be coming to kansas city out of everybody in your mind i don't know um i haven't watched baltimore all that close and baltimore's the... interesting if lamar can be lamar at all like their defense has come on and started playing well yeah. i just don't i don't trust that lamar even if he does come back it's a knee injury so how mobile is he going to be and if he can't run then they're nothing so i don't Baltimore is just like a huge question mark. Yeah, that they're an interesting, a literal wild card. Um, I mean, I guess when I look at the Chargers, um, I saw they activated the 21-day practice window for Slater today. 
as like a, that might be a, in case we make the AFC championship or in case we make the Super Bowl, but break glass only in case of those things or something. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't want to play that team again, but I also kind of do because I saw Brandon Staley's terrible decisions and then even worse explanation after the fact of like, this is a hard job and you know, you only get X number of 48 guys or whatever. And I'm like, look at all the teams that did exactly what you were supposed to do this week. I believe that you were the only team in the playoffs that was locked into their seed in the AFC. You could not move up or down. So what was the point of this, man? I mean, look, this is my expectation. I could be totally wrong here. I think what's going to happen is the Chargers are going to go into Jacksonville and fucking lose, and Staley's going to get fired. And they're going to hire Sean Payton or or who had probably Sean Payton. That would be the expectation for me. That's a lot of ifs and whatever. But like, I just don't, I, I, I don't think that the, the Chargers are scarier against the Chiefs than they are against any other team in the league for whatever reason. They get up for those games and the familiarity's there and Staley's got a good game plan and whatever. I don't know. But like, he is not meant to be a head coach yet. He's just not. He can't make up his mind on all these different things. And if they want to keep him and let him continue developing, that's fine. But if they want to strike while Justin Herbert is on a rookie contract, you go get Sean Payton. You've got a roster put together. You need a better coach right now. Very, very small window before all of the guys that they have to pay money to, they can't afford to keep doing it. So, Or how about a trade across town for Sean McVay? Uh, I mean, I could see them doing that too. They don't, I don't think they're missing any picks or anything. Um, I mean, I, I, wow. What a fucking ballsy move that would be for Sean McVay to just coach the other team in LA because I don't want to rebuild the Rams and this one seems like they're ready to go. Like that would be interesting. I mean, the Rams would have to agree to it, but I think McVay is all but gone with all the stuff that's come out the last week. Yeah, it uh, seems like it. I mean, he was already like contemplating it. it last year, and and I think it was like maybe it was Simmons or maybe it was Mina Kimes or somebody, like one of the podcasts I listened to. They were like, talk about your all-time backfire. Sean McVay totally should have taken the Amazon deal and not come back to coach this year. Like, what an awful season. Um, and I like how it came out. It's like, no, I'm not. I don't need a break from coaching or anything. I just don't want to be here during the shitty years with the Rams because we traded away all our assets and everybody here is old. So we're just going to be it's going to be a shitty team for the next five years. And I don't want to be here for it. Pretty like, much. Oh, okay. OK, but you know, you know, they'd probably take a draft pick to send them across town. I mean, send them a first round pick over to the Rams. They, they might take that. Yeah. Um, so you think you think Staley gets fired if they lose? Uh, yeah. And I, I I think that the Jags are playing Pretty. I mean, they looked a little rough this past week, but they've been playing well. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence has had a very fast turnaround. turnaround. Ever since the Chiefs game. It's just because I was like, man, I, it, during that game, I was like, I just don't see it with Trevor Lawrence. There's too many bad throws. We actually saw that in this week. He had a lot of wide open throws that he missed. Uh, he makes a lot of bad throws, but I mean, he has turned around as, and has been productive. Let me say this r- real quick about Baltimore. We would only be playing them coming off a lot, coming off a win 
in Cincinnati. And I think that's a pretty scary proposition because it's not like they go to Cincinnati and then whatever happens, they come to Arrowhead. It would be beating Cincinnati in Cincinnati, who we consider the second best team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I think most of us are one of two. Um, and so that's 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 a little scary. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Baltimore as my. Well, it might, it might be a gift, though. It might be like the perfect. Hey, hey, the Bengals are gone and we get to play this team. All right. I mean, although then we don't have the Bengals to beat the Bills and, and bring that AFC championship and get our revenge uh, back at Arrowhead. So it's fun to sit back and watch Wildcard Weekend unfold. I'm very excited. Very excited. Um, but I think it will be. I'm going to predict we are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, in in two weeks or in a week and a half, I think that will be the game that that happens. Uh, that's the game I want. That's the prediction that I already gave. But just to be different from you, I guess I'll pick the Chargers. I don't want to talk them out of it. Talk them out of it. No. I know. I I I think it's probably gonna be the Jags. That's what I'm expecting. Um, and you know, I think it'll probably be tougher than it was last time, but also still just. They're not on our level. Sorry, Jags. Yeah. Um, I will welcome that all day and all night. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really I, I don't really want to do who's your hefe. Uh it would be more of a production. Who's gonna be the hefe of the playoffs? Oh, his name's Patrick Mahomes, guys. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. Um well fine, folks. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. Uh I don't really know. I guess next week um we'll know who we're playing. We'll probably Try to talk about it a little bit, you know, a little yeah, preview yeah, or something, yeah, you know, see, yeah. what's, see what's happening. Yeah. I'll work on my my hype speech, yeah. Cool. All it'll right, guys. One, it'll be one long hype speech. That'll be the podcast. Uh, enjoy the week off, everybody. And, uh, you know, go Chiefs. Yeah. May everything uh, come up, come up Chiefs. <laughs> Bye. Who the best f- Go join